With the 14th, 15th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey focused on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Well, everyone, the time is finally here. The Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA is back and better than ever. The first episode here in 2017. I am Alex Smith, pleased to be joined by the man who watches every single prospect every single year, Fran Duffy. Fran, how pumped are you to have this podcast back and going? Very, very excited. There's been a void in my life since May 6th of 2016 when was the last time we blasted the Journey to the Draft podcast. So uh, about six months later, good to have it back. Uh, really excited to get the whole process going. Obviously, we hoped that we would be playing at, these, at this stage, but being able to kind of go through these prospects and get a jump, uh, you're going to talk a little bit later about how the Eagles are especially are going to be able to get a really good jump on this process. Uh, really, really excited to get going. So when do you start watching some of the prospects in this year's class? Obviously, some of them maybe you watched last year because they may have declared early, but how about the guys this year? When do you start the watching them? The day after these guys? last year's draft. Of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's, it's, it's a sickness. As, our, as my friend Ross Tucker likes to say, it's, it's a sickness, <laughs> and it's, uh, I'm definitely infected. So the reason that we're starting right now with this podcast is that uh, by the time this podcast air, airs, it will be the start of the East-West Shrine Game uh, this will be my second year down there in beautiful St. Petersburg, Florida, to uh, take in all the action. Uh, the Shrine Game, really one of the first steps of the draft process, draft process that, of course, leads into the Senior Bowl and the Combine and Pro Days and all that stuff down the road. But really, Fran, the Shrine Game is kind of that first step. And while it may not have some of the bigger-name prospects, these are guys who are really trying to make a name for themselves and, and give that really lasting impression with some of the NFL coaches that they're going to be working with down there. So it's, it's a fun time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can look at uh, years past throughout the NFL draft and you see some quality prospects. And then years later, you look back and say, like, man, I forgot that guy was at the East-West Shrine game. Every single year, uh, there are some quality prospects in attendance. Uh, and this year is no different. I think it's a, it's a pretty good group overall that's going to be down there. Uh, and I'm really excited to, to see them in action. Yeah, and if you just look at – the NFL playoff schedule this weekend, a lot of the guys playing were in the Shrine game just last year. If you look at guys like Geronimo Allison and Dean Lowry from the Green Bay Packers, Dean Lowry was a guy that really caught our eye on the defensive line, and yep. he's been a nice part of that Packers rotation this season. Then in Atlanta, guys like Brian Poole, who's become their nickel corner, also Devondre Campbell, who is kind of like a man among boys at the Shrine game last year. You could just see that he had that NFL size. He's out there playing in the playoffs couple other guys, Tajay Sharp from the Titans made an early impact. And then Fran T for Temple U's own Robbie Anderson with the Jets. He kind of had an interesting story where some teams were working him out as a defensive back, didn't really know where he fit. But with some of the injury problems that the Jets had this year, Robbie Anderson actually went out and had a nice season for them. Yeah, no question. You look at uh, Graham Glasgow, who was yep. a, a standout last year mm-hmm. on, the, on the offensive line, ended up going to Detroit, ended up taking a, a former first-round pick's job, actually after the Eagles played the Lions, uh, was inserted into the starting lineup. So uh, a number of players from, from last year's game uh, have made big impacts on, on playoff teams throughout the course of the season. So uh, definitely a lot of reasons to be excited about some of the players we're going to talk about. Yeah, and even just looking at the Eagles roster, you have a number of Shrine Game guys there's at, there as well. Bo Allen, of course, a seventh-round pick 
who's really kind of ingrained himself on that Eagles defensive line. Rodney McLeod, who was an undrafted player coming out of UVA. Um, the Shrine game was obviously a big part of him getting into the NFL at all. And now the Eagles, of course, make him a, a priority free agent. And he, it seems like his pairing with Malcolm Jenkins could go a long way. Caleb Sturgis, another guy um, who just set the Eagles' single-season record for field goals in a season. And Brandon another, Brooks. Brandon Brooks as well. So Brooks and McLeod, really the two biggest signings from last year's free agency class for the Eagles, both Shrine game guys. Um, and then another guy kind of under the radar, Fran, this is interesting, is Z Shitu, yeah. who was on the Eagles practice squad all year long. Um, seems like the coaching staff really likes him. He could be a developmental player down the line. But he was at last year's Shrine game, and you actually had a chance to catch up with him about what that game meant to him. So let's throw it to your interview with Z Shitu. Aziz, uh, you were at the East-West Shrine game a year ago. Uh, talk to me about that experience, what that was like, and, and how that was able to help prepare you for the rest of the draft process. Yeah, um, I really had a great time. First of all, I mean, the East-West Shrine game, you know, it was a great event that was ran by, you know, a lot of great people, and it's for a great, you know, um, cause. So I really appreciated that. And then on the football aspect, you know, you're able to go against, you know, some of the top-level competition in college that year. I mean, obviously it's not the senior bowl, but it's, it's right up there, you know. Everybody's talented, so being able to get that full week of preparation against, you know, NFL, future NFL guys was great for me. You know, kind of helped me coming in here, you know, already having some you know, work against, you know, younger NFL guys. So, All right, so that was Aziz Shitu on last year's Shrine game and what it meant to him. So for this podcast, the first journey to the draft here of the season, it's not going to be a full podcast because uh, it's still kind of early in the process, but we really just wanted to do this to give a preview of, of the Shrine game, so we'll have our draft buzz, but we won't have our mailbag, our pick six, or anything like that. Um, but one last note before we get into draft buzz, uh, something that makes it, Fran, a little more interesting for Eagles fans is that three Eagles assistant coaches will be down there. This is something new um, that the Shrine game hasn't done in the past, but Deuce Staley, who will be the offensive coordinator for the East team, not just the running backs coach, but the OC, Deuce Staley will be down there. Press Taylor uh, will be helping out with the quarterbacks. And then Dino Vasso will be helping out with the defensive backs. So that kind of gives an interesting little twist to the game this year. And I think fans will appreciate that. I didn't look at the at the complete coaching roster, Alex, but I can't imagine that there are teams out there that have three assistants on the staff. So uh, really excited to see how much information the Eagles assistant coaches are able to get from this game. Uh, it will be really good to see them work at those individual positions. You're talking about running back, quarterback, and defensive back. Uh, going to get a hands-on look at how these players operate over the course of the week of practice and meetings. The same advantage that we talk about the coaching staffs having at the Senior Bowl. Obviously, it's to a smaller scale with just three assistants, but everybody's going to get a bit, little bit of a closer look at some of these players. So you mentioned those three position groups that the Eagles coaches will have a first-hand look at. Let's get right into the positions here, and we'll get things rolling with Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, Fran, the first draft buzz segment here of the 2017 season. Let's start things off by looking at the quarterback position. And, of course, the Eagles drafted Carson Wentz number two overall last year. Uh, but you never know whether they could be in the market to add another quarterback, another young quarterback to add into the mix this year. So let's start things off by going through the quarterback list. Uh, maybe not the strongest group overall, but I know there's at least one name in Zach Terrell that you kind of have your eye on. Yeah, Terrell's definitely the guy of the six players that are at this game that has kind of caught my eye. It's overall, when you look at this draft class, it's not a strong group overall. There are obviously some th th there are three juniors that declared for the draft uh, in Deshaun Watson, 
uh, Deshaun Kaiser and Mitch Trubisky. You have Nate Peterman for that we're going to see next week at the Senior Bowl as well. That I think is a is a good you know prospect at the position. But after that, it really falls off, and, and that means at the Shrine game, it's not a great group. But Terrell is a guy from Western Michigan, doesn't have great size. He's like 6'1", 205 pounds. But when you watch him, I think, honestly, if, we, if he were a couple inches taller and threw the ball a little bit better, he, I think we'd be talking about him in the middle rounds because he's got some traits that you really like to see. I think within 12 yards, he's really accurate. He shows good touch to all areas of the field. I like how quickly he gets through progressions. He eliminates really well uh, as he's able to step up in the pocket, and he does move pretty well in the pocket with his eyes downfield. Again, not the biggest kid, doesn't have the strongest arm. He does need to work on some things mechanically with his release and also in his lower body, as do most college quarterbacks. But I think that Terrell, of all these players, has the most upside as a potential backup at the NFL level. How much has he benefited, though, from having a guy like Corey Davis, who's obviously one of the top one or two receivers in this year's draft class? Yeah, cert- certainly does, and that's something that uh, you, you take into account. But when I go back and I look at some of those traits, you know, it, those things stood out to me. You know, Corey Davis didn't have anything to do with uh, how quickly he got through progressions or how accurate he was you know, throwing to the tight end on the other side of the field. I, I see some of those things with Zach Terrell that you don't necessarily see with a player like Cooper Rush from Central Michigan or Wes Lunt from Illinois, who I think would probably be the second most intriguing player from that group is Wes Lunt coming out of a pro-style offense and kind of looks the part of an NFL quarterback but uh, just lacks some of the physical tools you want. But I think Terrell is definitely the best of the group. Yeah, and I think last year we saw some interesting prospects, um, especially with guys like Nate Sudfeld, kind of these bigger, taller quarterbacks. We don't really have any of those guys this year. Uh, but you mentioned some of the other names who we'll see down there besides Terrell, Wes Lunt, Gunnar Keel from Cincinnati. Uh, and then Who's been in college football since like 2002 yes. at this point. But yes, <laughs> uh, Nick Mullins from Southern Miss, Cooper Rush, another name you mentioned. And then we get a local guy, in Alec Torgerson from Penn. Uh, so that is the those are the six quarterbacks down there. Fran, let's move over to the running back position. Um, pretty deep group this year overall in the draft, and there's some pretty interesting names uh, on the Shrine game list as well. I know that Devian Smith is a guy from Michigan that you've kind of had your eye on all season long, and you really like his game. Yeah, I, I'm, he, I would say he's probably one of my five or six personal favorite prospects in the draft. Not saying he's going to be a first-round pick, not saying he's going to be even a day-one NFL starter or anything. I just look at Smith, and I love the way he plays. He's just under six feet tall. He's 229 pounds. He's got really good uh, size for the running back position. He's just a violent runner. You know, He's got good vision. I love his contact balance, just refuses to go down on first contact the big knock on him is going to be that he's not a top end athlete his short area burst is not great I think he's kind of a one speed back and there are is a home for those kinds of players in the NFL but it's going to prevent you from becoming that top end NFL starter so I don't know that Smith is going to reach that standpoint but I do think when you look at him you see a guy who's got reliable hands out of the backfield as well and is also one of the best pass protectors at the running back position that I've ever evaluated so uh, I look at Deviant Smith as a guy that's got a really high floor and will certainly be one of the top senior backs in this class so I'm a little surprised he's not going to be at the senior bowl but it's going to be great to see him in action at the east-west shrine game but when you look at the rest of this group I think there's a lot of interesting names you know I think uh, Justin Davis from USC is another player that I've always kind of had my eye on I think he's a solid athlete a better athlete than Devion Smith but also very competitive uh, competitive as a runner I think he's got an innate feel for running the football he shows that vision the ability to pick his way through the briar patch find a crease in the defense and get downhill 
if he can prove to be a valuable asset on third down, I'm really interested to see how what Deuce Staley is able to see from him as a pass protector this week. If Davis can prove that he can hold up on third down, I think that he could be an NFL starter down the road. But at the very least, I think he's going to be a pretty good backup because I do think he's got the athletic traits you want from that kind of player. Uh, lastly, two, uh, two guys that I think really surprised me with their athleticism when you watch them. First up is Louisiana Lafayette running back Elijah McGuire, who is really, really athletic. A great story, honestly. He's been a two-sport two athlete for the Raging Cajuns as a basketball player, a point guard on the basketball team, but has been super productive during his time on the gridiron as well. Uh, he doesn't have great vision. He's not a powerful runner. He doesn't have that contact balance. Go, too often he goes down on first contact, but great athlete, high-end speed. I think he's got value on third down. He's a solid blocker, but more so as a pass catcher, I think he does a really good job in the screen game and also running routes out of the backfield. I think that Elijah McGuire is really, really intriguing. And lastly, a somewhat local kid in Joe Williams from Utah who is going to have some questions he's going to have to answer because, Alex, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the story, but he transferred to uh, Utah a couple years ago, was seen as the starting running back coming into the year, didn't have a great start to the season, but after that slow start, the coaches kind of opened up the, the competition, the starting competition for the running back job, and he quit. He left. He retired. Uh, retired. He said he was, it was injuries and everything else kind of going on, the wear and tear on his body. Missed about four or five games, and during that four or five game span, Utah lost like you know 19 running backs. So the coaches kind of called Joe Williams up and said, "Hey, look, we we really need you to come back." He comes back and he ran for like they 1,700 brought yards. Brought him out of retirement. <laughs> And he ran for like 300 yards his first game back, 180 his second game back, 200 his third game back. Uh, you know, whatever the numbers were, he was really, really productive with his second stint with the Utes this year. Uh, High-end speed, really good, a really good short area burst, has the ability to take it the distance anytime he touches the football. But uh, he's going to have some questions to answer, and it's going to be a big week for him as he continues to talk with scouts and coaches throughout the NFL. Yeah, that's obviously a huge part of this weekend for or this week for prospects as well. Not just what they can put you know, on, on tape, on the field, working with the coaches, but talking with some of the scouts and meeting with some of the assistant coaches and things like that. Um, Fran, before we move on from the running back group, um, how many of these players that we're looking at in this group are potential every down kind of lead backs in the NFL? And how many are just maybe a change of pace or kind of a rotational type guy? I think that honestly, the, the guys that have a chance, I think of being feature backs, I think Davis has a chance to be a feature back for the kid from USC. Mm-hmm. And I think in the right system, Smith could be seen as like a LeGarrette Blunt type of player where, uh, you know, maybe he's not the, you know, Hey, he's going to be a dynamic 20 plus carry guy, but Hey, he gets 15 to 17 touches a game uh, as that short yardage back, and he's our between-the-tackles runner, and we pair him with somebody else. I think that Smith could turn into that guy as well. I don't see McGuire as a full-time back, and I don't see Joe Williams as a full-time back either. All right, let's move along to the wide receiver position, which, of course, is a hot topic amongst the Eagles fans really every year, but this year as well. Um, A lot of fans hoping the Eagles can add some more playmakers to the wide receiver spot, and we have a really interesting group here at wide receiver, uh, a lot of slot-type players. Um, the guy who jumps off the list to me is Stacy Col- Coley from Miami. Um, he's a guy that you know, the few times that I watched Miami this year to kind of get a look at Brad Kaya and, and how he could project to the next level, it seemed like Stacy Coley was a guy out there who always made a few really big plays uh, for the Hurricanes. Yeah, Co- Coley's an NFL player. <clears throat> he, know- he knows how to run routes. 
Uh, he tracks the ball really well down the field. He's got the ability to stretch the defense. I, I, he'll probably end up being like kind of a mid-4-4 four, four guy, I would bet, at the NFL Combine. He may not ever be a starter on the outside, but I do think he can serve a role. You know, look, we talk about like Jamison Crowder. I remember saying the same exact thing about Jamison Crowder coming out of Duke was, look, he's not going to be a starter on the outside, but he's going to fit a role as a slot man. Uh, could Stacy Coley be that kind of player? That depends on the offense that he goes to and the scheme that he goes to uh, and the people that are around him. But uh, Stacy Coley, I think, fits really, really well into the slot. If not, I think he could be on the outside, depending on the, the other receivers that he's kind of paired with. But I like his hands. I like his ball skills. He's not going to be a contested catch guy. He's a little bit undersized. But I like Stacy Coley. Again, I like his ability to run routes and finish at the catch point. A couple other guys, though, that I think are really interesting – that are also more slot-type receivers. You know, you talk about a player who is one of the most productive receivers in the entire country this year, was a third-team All-American. That's Austin Carr from Northwestern, 6'1", just under 200 pounds. He's not super explosive. That's not his game. He's not a great yards-after-catch guy, but really reliable hands and, again, another savvy route runner. So uh, Austin Carr, I think, is really, really intriguing. Kermit Whitfield from Florida State has been a big-time return man for the Seminoles throughout his career. Again, a little bit undersized. I think he's going to be in the 5'8", 185-pound range, but a guy that has returned kicks, he's going to be in that mid-4-4 speed range as well at the NFL Combine. I think he fits really, really well as the perfect kind of number four receiver for an NFL team. Honestly, what kind of the role that Josh Huff played early in the season here in Philadelphia, I think Whitfield can be that kind of guy. You're not talking about him as a second or third round pick. You're talking about Whitfield as a day three selection. I think he could turn into that kind of player. I would say the same thing about Rodney Adams as well from South Florida, uh, a player that did a lot of those gadget type plays for South Florida this year, was a big play threat for them, more quick than he is fast, but can return the football both as a kick returner and a punt returner and showed really reliable hands as well. So I I think when you look at this receiving class, at the Shrine game, it really comes down to players that are more better fits for the slot and as that third, fourth receiver role. How about a guy like, you know, and, you know, you mentioned a lot of these guys, kind of smaller slot players. What about a guy like Billy Brown, who's one of the tallest receivers down there, listed at 6'4", 245, um, one of the only big, big bodies down there. What does he, how does he transition to the NFL? So I got tipped off to Billy Brown over the summer. Uh, by one of my friends in the league who said, hey, watch this kid and let me know what you think. So I'm like, oh, he's from Shepherd, which is a D3 school uh, down in uh, West Virginia. And so I'm like, all right, let me me take a look at this kid. So I watch him, and he's really big, obviously. He's just under 6'4". He's going to be 245 pounds in that range. I think he's a tight end, and it's interesting to me that he's going as a receiver. We remember a couple years ago, uh, again, another player that was that has turned into a nice player in the NFL. Darren Waller from Georgia Tech yep. was an oversized receiver and turned into a tight end now with the Baltimore Ravens. Yep. I think Billy Brown is similar in that way. I watch Billy Brown. I see a guy who's a little bit better of a route runner than I expected coming from a small school. I think he's a good athlete for the tight end spot, and he plays the ball really, really well in the air. I think he's one of the best small school players in this entire draft uh, and capable of being a matchup guy at the NFL. So he's going to be playing against corners in this uh, in this East-West game. If he can go and show the ability not just to outmuscle those corners but also show the ability to be really consistent at the catch point and then be a matchup guy against linebackers and safeties, I think Brown, in a really deep tight end class, this is going to be something we talk about all, all offseason, this is a really good tight end class. I think Brown is going to be a mid-round pick and what is a really good group overall. So let's talk about that tight end group. You mentioned it, a deep group. 
uh, some interesting names down here. Uh, I know one of the guys you want to highlight is Eric Saubert out of Drake, 6'5", 250. What do you like about his game? Saubert is, he comes from another small school in Drake, and I, I had no idea where Drake was. I wanted to look him up. I was surprised that they weren't D2 or D3. They are FCS, um, so which is the you know the one double A, but it's non scholarship FCS, which I didn't even know existed. Uh, he plays in a conference. It's called the 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 Pioneer Football League, okay. and basically it's like. They play teams in Tennessee. They're in Des Moines, Iowa. They play a team in like Tennessee. There's a team out in California. There's a team in the Pacific Northwest, all over the place. So since they have to travel all over, <clears throat> they can't afford to pay scholarships for these players. So I watched Saubert, 6'5", 245 pounds. I think he's a pretty good athlete, but what stands out to most, the most to me is his competitiveness. And, and that's a, you're going to hear me say competitiveness a lot mm-hmm. about a lot of players that I like. And Sauber is a guy that, whether it's getting off the line of scrimmage, whether it's at the catch point, whether it's mid-route, whether it's with the ball in his hands, the guy just is relentless. And so I'm really, really excited. And as a blocker, too, by the way, which is kind of important for the tight end spot. As a blocker, I think he really gets after it as well. Now it's a matter of, all right, you did this again at that level of competition. How are you going to do against defenders from Notre Dame and from USC and from Texas and from some of these other big schools? I'm really, really excited to see how Sauber looks. To me, other than Billy Brown, again, who's going to be practicing with the receivers, I think Sauber is the best tight end at this, uh, at this event. So I'm excited to see him. And then the other guy is Scott Orndoff from Pitt, who uh, at 6'5", 255 pounds, wasn't really on anybody's radar coming into the year. Uh, did start some games last year for the Panthers. But really, when I watch him this year, I see a guy with explosive speed down the seam. I think he can get vertical, made some plays with the ball in his hands, yards after catch-wise this year. Really well-rounded player. I think he can line up in multiple spots and win and has the potential to be a pretty good blocker as well. So I I view Orndoff probably more as a number two tight end, but I think he can be uh, used as a starter down the line uh, in the right situation. So two guys that I'm really excited about from that group overall. Yeah, and Fran, you mentioned it, but one of the, I think, most interesting parts of going down to these games is seeing how the small school players match up in practice, in one-on-one drills against some of the bigger-name schools. A guy like Javon Hargrave, I think, is a really good yeah, case from really, last year. Yeah, that's another player. Good. good who, good South Carolina State, Javon yeah. Hargrave, and yes. then he ended up having an unbelievable week at the Shrine game. I believe he got invited to the Senior Bowl. Correct. And then he ended up being what? A Third-round pick. Third-round pick. Third-round pick and a day-one starter for the Steelers and nose tackle. So uh, it's always fun to see those kind of stories uh, and see how those guys fare against some higher competition. Uh, Let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. We'll start uh, at the defensive line. Um, Maybe not the deepest group in the draft, but still some interesting names here, Fran. Uh, Let's start out with Trey Hendrickson. Yeah, Hendrickson is a guy that I didn't really know what to expect going in. He's got above average size, just under six foot four, just under two hundred seventy pounds. Was super, super productive as a three year starter for FAU. I, I mean, he had like uh, what is it, just under thirty sacks, forty two tackles for loss, in, in four seasons was super, super productive. So I went in. He's not the greatest athlete in the world, and that and that's kind of going to be the knock on him. I think that's what will keep him from being an every-down player on defense at the next level. But the guy knows how to use his hands. He's going to stick in the NFL, Troy Hendrickson. Uh, knows how to use his hands, sets up moves and counter moves really well, and he's got a really high motor. Uh, isn't the most explosive kid off the ball. But uh, I think that Troy Hendrickson a guy, is a guy that really intrigues me. Uh, another player, Awan Price from Pitt. Is 
a little bit different of a player. You know, Hendrickson's a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Price is tiny, and that's going to be kind of the knock on him. Six foot, he's listed at 255 as a former linebacker uh, and transitioned to the defensive end spot at Pitt and was so productive the last two years. Has a really long injury history, uh, so that's going to be something that's going to be put into question with him as well. But he has been healthy the last two years. I love his snap anticipation. There are times when I watch him, and he can win with a bull rush because of his ability to go speed the power. Uh, I like his ability to set up some of his counter moves. But the problem is, is when an offensive lineman gets locked in on him, how can he sh- mm-hmm. how can he respond? How can he counter? How can he shed blocks and flow to the football? I like his motor. Price is, a, is an interesting player. It's just a question of how does he fit on an NFL defense. So that's going to be really interesting. But from a body type standpoint, and, and they have him listed on their official roster at 5'11", 245. Yeah. Body type-wise, who would he compare to at the NFL level? Is there somebody you can think of where you watch him and you say, you know what, he really reminds me of this player? You know, uh, the the big thing that's going to be interesting, and there's a guy next week <clears throat> that we're going to talk about in previewing the Senior Bowl, and Hassan Reddick from Temple, who you could say the, the same exact thing about. Uh, in terms of being a defensive end at the college level that is just too small and won't be a 4-3 defensive end by the traditional sense of the term and probably is too small even to play 3-4 outside linebacker. So could this guy transition to more of an off-the-ball role? And you know one player who did that a long time ago coming out of college uh, transitioned. He was a pass rusher at the college level at Arizona, was really productive, uh, and the NFL saw him as more of an off-the-ball inside linebacker, and that was Teddy Bruschi. Uh, who ended up having a huge career for the New England Patriots. I'm not calling Awan Price or, or Hassan Reddick Teddy Bruschi. Uh, we've seen other players come out. Carl Bradford, I remember a couple years ago, coming out of Arizona State, was at the Senior Bowl and transitioned to inside linebacker for the Green Bay Packers. We've seen this over the last couple of years. The, there's the kid from New York Giants, um, the Sam linebacker, who I'm struggling to remember his name at the moment. Uh, Casillas? No, not, not Casillas. Uh, he's the bigger kid. But either way, he's the strong side linebacker for the Giants. Uh, we've seen players that have played off the edge at the college level that transitioned to a more off-the-ball role. It wouldn't surprise me at all if a team looked at Price, especially since he started his career there, and thought, you know what, maybe this guy could be a strong side linebacker for us in our scheme. And then one last name listed here at the defensive line position, Joey Ivey, uh, another guy. Anything about his game that really stands out to you? You know, I think that a lot of these players that we see at this at this game in terms of the defensive tackle spot are, are more run stuffers are more uh, the prototypical maybe you know nose tackles in a 3-4 or something along those lines. I think probably the biggest disruptor in terms of his initial quickness, his ability to penetrate and get into the backfield, is probably Joey Ivey. He's only a one-year starter at Florida, um, but and he's not a, a truly explosive. You know, I'm not talking about Aaron Donald here, but uh, as a guy that can win with quickness, knows how to use his hands, uh, has a high motor, I think Joey Ivey kind of fits the bill as a one-gap penetrator. So that's the kind of player you're looking at when you look at the Eagles scheme up front. So Joey Ivey, a, a, Florida, Gator, a Florida Gator, another Florida guy down there, Brian Cox uh, on the defensive line. So yep. we'll have to keep a lookout uh, for some of those players. Let's move back to the linebackers group. Some intriguing names, some guys who could possibly fit into what Jim Schwartz likes to do with this Eagles scheme. Of course, linebackers are a spot where you can always add some extra depth. 
The Eagles ended up taking uh, Joe Walker last season, put, placed him on IR early on, never really got to play. So, Fran, who are some of the guys that you're looking at in this linebackers group here at the Shrine Game? So I'm, I'm going to give you two names, and they're both different in terms of their skill set, but I think they fit what the Eagles do in different ways. And really what, the first one is Markel Lee from Wake Forest. Uh, so he is a Bo Wolf special uh, at 6'3", 242 pounds. He was a high school quarterback, played some linebacker at high school as well. And he's not the greatest athlete. You know, he's, he's not going to wow people at the Combine. He's not a great coverage player. But what I do like about Mark Ali is that he's got a high floor. You know, he uses his hands really well. I think he's really instinctive. I think he's certainly good enough to be a base down player in the NFL in an ideal world. The question is, is can he hold up in coverage and can he play on third down? You know, Nigel Bradham, you look at Nigel Bradham. Nigel Bradham's not the greatest athlete uh, that you're going to look at when it, terms to, when it comes to NFL linebackers, but he's smart, he's instinctive, he's uh, responsible in his zone coverages. He kind of knows what his responsibility is uh, in the construct of the defense. Can Markel Lee become that kind of player? That's going to be a question he's going to have to answer, but I think that he's got the ability to come downhill. What's the number one thing you look at with the Eagles linebackers? In this scheme with Jim Schwartz, you have to be able to take on blocks downhill, defeat blocks, and get to the football. Markel Lee can do that. Uh, and another guy that really intrigues me, uh, and I, I mentioned Markel Lee, you know, he played high school quarterback, didn't play too much linebacker. James Onwalu from, from Notre Dame, a little bit smaller, 6'1, 225 pounds, was a, a running back and a defensive back in high school. Went to Notre Dame, became a wide receiver, and was a wide receiver his first couple of years. Then he moved over to defense and became a linebacker a couple of years ago. Uh, and so you're talking about a player who's really raw, has only been playing the linebacker position for a couple of years. But I, I was really intrigued by him because he's a good athlete. I think he's got a great short area burst, can close in a hurry. He's really rangy, can play sideline to sideline. But he also has that toughness downhill. And that's what I really want to see. When I, when I see undersized linebackers, you can be undersized and still hold up. But you've got to have you've got to have that toughness. You got to have that willingness to come downhill, stick your face in the fan, defeat a block, and get to the football. And I think Anwalu can be that guy. Uh, it is really really intriguing as a weak side type linebacker, even potentially as a Mike linebacker. I think Anwalu's got a, a high ceiling uh, and certainly a player that could fit in this kind of scheme or really in, in any kind of scheme because he's got that toughness, but also that range as well. Friend, I think that was the first raw reference uh, that we've had this year. Always one of my favorite buzzwords around draft time. Yes, so there's the first one. James Onowalu takes home the prize. Uh, no, but certainly interesting to watch the linebackers. Uh, you know, what I always hear about Jim Schwartz's scheme when it you know, comes to linebackers is the defensive line, they have to mess stuff up up front, and the linebackers have to clean it up. Yep. So we'll see how these guys kind of translate into that scheme. Let's move back into the secondary, and this is where I think it really starts to get intriguing. Um, cornerback is obviously one of the star positions, I think, in this year's draft class. When you look at from the top to the bottom, there's a lot of names in there. Uh, and, of course, cornerback is a position that the Eagles could look to build on in this year's draft. So we certainly have some interesting names here. Fran, who are some of the guys at the Shrine game that you're going to have your eye on? So at the Shrine game, and it's obviously not as talented as what we'll see next week at the Senior Bowl, ton of talented players at the Senior Bowl, and then the junior class really supplements this class very well. But when you look here this week at St. Petersburg, you're going to deal with Brad Watson from Wake Forest, another Wake guy, 
Uh, I like Watson for what he is. You know, I don't know that he's going to be a great star, you know, a top end, number one, shutdown corner, but I do think he's going to stick in the league, potentially, even if it is just as a third or fourth corner, because of his toughness and his instincts. I like his ball skills. He's a willing run defender. Those are all traits you need to succeed in a Jim Schwartz defense, especially that last part. You have to be able to come downhill and be a factor against the run. He's a big kid. He's got special teams background. Wouldn't surprise me if some teams looked at him as a safety, and these are some things that we talked about with Jalen Mills as well. I thought Mills was probably a better athlete than what you're looking at now uh, with Brad Watson. But I think Watson is really intriguing. I look at Channing Stribling from Michigan uh, at 6'2". I want to say he's in that 210-pound range. I don't have it. his numbers in front. Here it is. Actually, he's a lot skinnier than that. 6'2", 180 pounds. Stribling, to me, when I watch him, reminds me a little bit of uh, the, the corner last year from NC State who ended up going to the New York Jets, and why am I forgetting his uh, name? Justin Burris. Justin Burris, thank you. Reminds me a lot of Justin Burris because uh, really disciplined at the line of scrimmage. I think he's probably one of the most natural press corners in this draft. I think he does a really good job disrupting early in the down. Stribling has got really good length. The question with him is going to be, does he have enough athleticism to hold up in man coverage consistently, uh, especially in a scheme where it's not like Seattle where you're always at the line of scrimmage? If you're Channing Stribling, can you fit into some other schemes uh, where you're going to be asked to play a little bit more off coverage? You're going to be asked to play a little bit more man-to-man. Uh, that's going to be the question with him because I think he does have that ability to disrupt early in the down. Uh, Stribling's a really interesting player. And then one last guy, Nate Hairston from Temple, six foot, 185 oh, pounds. Temple guy. Uh, of course, I had to sneak one is in. Is he the only Temple? He is the he only is Temple the only Temple guy here at this game. There's a couple next week for the Senior Bowl. Right. Uh, Harrison, former wide receiver, uh, only made the, the switch to corner as a junior, so he's only got two years at the position. But uh, really impressive because of his athleticism uh, and his hands. You know, not the biggest or fastest corner. Uh, there are going to be some traits though that I think you can work with at the next level. I need to watch a little bit more. I'm really actually very excited to see him in person. He did pique my interest though uh, through the game that I studied. So anxious to kind of see him in person. But I think he's got some traits that you can certainly work with at the corner spot. Speaking of Temple, was Tavon Young at the Shrine game last year? Or was he a senior? He was bowl? senior bowl. Okay. Yeah, Tavon Young was a senior bowl. I remember Robbie Anderson was down there. I wasn't sure uh, which game. Uh, Too many Temple prospects. Yeah, I know. There's just so many of them. I mean, excellent program, obviously. Um, Let's move to safety, and this is the last position group that we're going to look at today. And we're going to start off with a guy named Xavier Woods. And I want to tell a quick story about Xavier Woods. I'm sitting in the cafeteria at the Novacare Complex the other day, enjoying my lunch. Okay. And Fran comes up to me, and this tells you you exactly how excited Fran gets about these All-Star games and, and to watch all these prospects. So Fran comes up to me, and he said, He's beaming smile on his face. He goes, Alex, I just watched this guy, Xavier Woods from Louisiana Tech. He seems super excited to tell me about him. So tell all the listeners, what do you like about this Xavier Woods kid? Xavier Woods, just under six foot, just under 200 pounds. So he's not the biggest kid in the world. Uh, not tiny either, but he's not. he doesn't have great size. But there's not a big flaw in his game. You know, you watch him, I think he's instinctive. I think he's athletic. He's got great range. He's a really good tackler. He's got good ball skills. Uh, you know, he's a really competitive kid downhill. He reads the run well. He takes good angles coming downhill. He's a good blitzer. Uh, I'm really surprised that he's at the Shrine game and he's not at the Senior Bowl, to be honest, because I think he's one of the best senior prospects at the safety class. And, again, a safety class where we may see three, maybe even four guys go in the first round. Uh, I think that Xavier Woods is a guy that could. We talked about this last year uh, with the kid from um, from Middle Tennessee State uh, who was at the Senior Bowl, and now he was a second or third round pick for the Tennessee Titans. Um, 
and I'm, I'm blanking, blanking on his name. Uh, but I think I think this kid can play. I think he's going to be an NFL starter. Uh, so I, I, to me, he might be the best prospect at the game overall. Uh, Xavier Woods, and when, when I look at him, I, th- I think he's got all the tools you need to be an NFL starter. I'm really, really excited to watch even more of this kid moving forward. That Louisiana Tech program, they're just churning kids out, uh, left and right. Kenneth Dixon, Kenneth Dixon last, last year. year. You had Vernon Butler. Uh, they had some receivers the year before that. Um, the, the, you know, Paul Turner, obviously. Of course. Uh, of course, we would be remiss if we didn't mention Paul Turner. <laughs> uh, a lot of Louisiana Tech products tar- turn into good players. you, you got to credit Skip Holtz and the, the crew down there for turning out NFL talent. A couple other safeties to look at, uh, Tedrick Thompson and Delano Hill. So one, I think, is a pure free safety. The other, I think, is a pure strong safety. Uh, Thompson, I think, is the pure free safety. I, I think he's got uh, the ability to, to play in the middle of the field, confidently come downhill and run the alley, even though run defense is not his number one strength. I do think that he's aggressive enough uh, and competitive enough to come downhill, run the alley, and finish one-on-one. I think he's athletic enough to hold up on the back, and he's got really good ball skills as well. The question is, does he have enough athleticism to be a full-time starter? I think that he's good enough to stick in the league. The question is, is it good enough to be a full-time starter? And then when you watch Delano Hill from Michigan, who was coached by uh, a former uh, Philadelphia Eagles safety and a former coach here in, in Mike Zordich, Delano Hill, 6'1", 215 pounds, Really, really confident coming downhill as a run defender. You could, when he comes down, you can tell that he knows this. This is my guy. I'm making this tackle right now, uh, and he's really, really physical at the point of contact. He's really good in press coverage as well. You know, I watched him against tight ends. I watched him against slot receivers. They use him in a lot of different ways there in that Michigan defense, and he did a really good job in press coverage. The question is his athleticism, his overall range. I think he's going to need to fit in a specific kind of scheme, and if he's used in the right way, I think he's an NFL starter. But in most teams, I think you're looking at as a potential backup at the strong safety spot. All right. Well, there you have it. Fran, nicely done. Uh, Thank you. Terrific position-by-position breakdown of the players that we will see in St. Petersburg, Florida, this week at the East-West Shrine game. Uh, We have plenty of coverage coming your way here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Uh, throughout the week we'll have our daily recap print pieces Uh, we're not going to do a daily podcast like we did last year but instead we have this preview and then we will do a recap at the end of the week just to kind of get everything in one space Uh, and hopefully we'll be able to catch up with Deuce Daly and the other Eagles coaches down there as well so really the first big step heading into the 2017 NFL draft the east-west shrine game very excited to get it going this week so again I think that'll kind of do it for our preview podcast but we will be back at the end of the week uh, to kind of recap everything that we saw down in St. Pete. So for my co-host, Fran Duffy, I'm Alex Smith. Thanks for joining us here on the Journey to the Draft podcast.